Sometimes you hear the Lord Sometimes you're a little unsure Unsure if it's His voice But when you hear the Lord He only confirms himself And he begs you to stay Please don't be in a hurry Please stick around while There is more when you hear, when you hear the Lord. But Daddy, what does his voice sound like? My son, it sounds like Jesus. Of the Lord, it simply sounds like God. <laughs> I wish I were wasted. Y'all are so dang sober, it's scary. How in the world, after that worship, he got up and took up an offering and just baffled. Reminds me of when we were in Australia with my wife. That's the babe. Fifty-one years, the babe. We were in Australia, and I'm going to tell you this story to start off with. And if you need to leave after I tell this story, you go right on. It wouldn't bother me a bit, because I'd leave. We were doing this thing where we had 52 girls in YWAM school in Brisbane, Australia. And they were supposed to ask us questions of the, about life and romance and marriage and, you know, the other word. The S word. And it went on for an hour and a half and nobody, they put the questions on a piece of paper and put them in a hat. We draw them out and none of them really got off the first base. And there was all kind of cultures there. There was people from many languages and nations. And finally, wouldn't you know it was an American? Dang, girls! I think she was from New York <laughs> or California, either one. Take your pick. Both of them will go off in the ocean. She said, dang, girls. None of y'all have asked the question of Papa Ken and Miss Linda that we really want to know. 
And we've never really got down to what really matters. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. She says, okay, married couple. What's the best part of sex and marriage? I thought, now we're getting somewhere. And if you don't feel that way, you need to go for some counseling. And I answered rather theologically. Since I was the only male in the room, I was on thin ice. And I looked over at my wife, and she has this way, when she doesn't want to do something, she just goes. She was thinking. I mean, she's thinking about that question. I'm like, my God, she's going to say something. I can't believe it. I wonder what she's going to say. In her down eastern North Carolina accent. Well, girls, I think that the best part of sex and marriage is when it's over. (laughs) I knew what she meant. And it's not what you think. But the girls were like, 19 to 24, 25 years old, like, God, is that all there is when it's over? She said, no, 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 that's not what I meant. What I meant was, it's when we've been intimate, heart to heart, mind to mind, flesh to flesh, Emotion to emotion. Strength to strength and weakness to weakness. And we've been one. When it's over, the whole day is different. And God said, that's the way it is with me. When you've been intimate with God in worship, when it's over, the whole day, is forever different. You cannot have intimacy with God. Oneness with him. Once the Holy Spirit, because my son wrote a song called Intimacy. Intimacy is calling me. And people were offended. In one particular church, no more coming back there. Bring intimacy. That word into the house of God? Oh, oh. So the Lord pulled me aside and he said, what do you think that word means? Intimacy. I said, I'll look it up. (laughs) When God asks you the meaning of a word, you know you ain't going to get it right. (laughs) Good old Webster's. Intimacy depicts a situation where two people grow close through spending time together. And the Lord went, ah, wrong. 
Intimacy is not closeness, for intimacy is oneness. And I heard the Lord worshiping, and he said, remember when you were at David's tent, a 72-hour, 62-hour, 48-hour, many hours, three days, four days, uh, a couple of hundred kilometers south of London. And 3,600 people gathered to worship God for four days. Sometimes they'd go to sleep, but the worship continued for four solid days. And Jonathan and Melissa were there, and they invited us to come join them. But we were in Norway, so a $100 flight. We just flew on down to London. And when they were doing No Longer Slaves to Fear, and we are right up on the stage where the monitors, just the monitors are louder than this house system. And outside of that realm was gigantic speakers that you could hear 10 miles away. And the people singing drowned out the band. I'm no longer slave to fear. 3,600 people. We could not hear the band. And the band are looking at each other. They can't hear themselves. And they got inner ear monitors. That was loud. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, when you people in this church drowned out the band, you're going to have to build a place bigger to accommodate all the people going to come. When you sing so strong that you get laryngitis, you can't even talk when it's over with. When you dance so hard that you, oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) I remember one time when Graham Cook was with us and we were preparing for Jonathan's first CD. And Graham just starts laughing. When prophet laughs, you laugh with him. Lest you get caught. (laughs) And he said, Lord, it's so funny. When people come just to worship, you can't stay away. You just want to be there. (laughs) That's a little word for Sunday morning. Take it to Sunday school. Think about it. Let it go deep. If you feel inhibited to dance, sit down. (laughs) Maybe you can move around your seat. I long for the day that you can't even have chairs in here. (laughs) There's a place in my heart for you a special kind of place and it's made for you take her that place in my heart so that my heart can become your heart too
many people here are ready for springtime. We need to move that slide to the next one. Oh, I forgot. No, the one, the one in between. I like the one in between. This is a, somebody sent me that and said, this is you and Linda about 100 years from now. Well, if it takes 100 years to get to that place, that's cool. I, I can wait on that. You like that? Scott, you told me to do whatever. I mean, your famous last words, be free. (laughs) Next slide. There's a place in God's heart for you and me. It's such a special, special place. Made for you and me. Let us run, take that place in your heart. So that your heart might become a heart too. Next slide so I can figure out where I am. We have come to Mount in my heart I was on West Lexington by the bedside of a friend who was dying I had to kind of move him a little bit Don, Don he opened up one eye and gave me the most beautiful smile and I said Don I've come to say goodbye And he's laughed and he said, you can't get off that easy. Because we can't be separated. I see the other side. And death has lost its sting. And the grave has lost its victory. And I said, you're not going to come back and visit me, are you? He said, no, but read, read Hebrews 12. We've all come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, where there's thousands upon thousands of angels in the company of every single person that's ever gone before us. That great cloud of witnesses cheering and pulling for us. They're not that far away. 
You got mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandparents, and they are the cheerleading squad that you cannot imagine saying, wait till you see what I see, and you will give it all. You will count every day on this earth as precious when you see what I see. I was leaving the room because he went on because when you get close to heaven, you see more of the other side than this side. And I love that. For death is kind of like, hey, you know what? You're closer to my house than yours. Come on. Next slide. Because what Don told me is the things of life that we share with one another. The times we speak into each other's life with words of life. Do you think death can erase that? The words of the words of people and prophets and your mothers and your fathers and even your children that have been spoken into you don't die when they die. They live on. And Don said, those words will always be speaking the same way the Apostle Paul spoke to me this morning in Hebrews. Do you think Paul is dead? (laughs) The words are life. Mr. Ken, yeah, Don, there's always going to be a place in my heart for you. It's been my song. That's the song of my life. So when Miss Ellen, she speaks to me every day. Did you notice how soft she spoke? Couldn't even hear Ellen. You see, Ellen knew that when her husband died at 40 with seven children, the youngest two months old, with, a, with quite a business left and with all the things that a, a single woman would have to do with seven children. She learned to speak softly because a soft answer turns away wrath. That will live in me. May it live in you forever. Next slide. There's a woman that's got a loud mouth. This will not be politically correct, and if being politically correct is what you're looking for, you need to go somewhere else. There's people here that love guns. I was sitting on the toilet back there a while ago. I take herb lax before I go to bed at night. It's a great Shackley product. And Scott says, Scott said, anything I can do for you? I said, not really. And I was thinking about guns and I thought, you know, just give guns to people who love. And make the test for guns be that if you have any hatred in your heart, you're already a murderer. 
what Jesus said. So you don't want to give guns to murderers. Isn't that great? Isn't that simple? But I, I'm sort of overwhelmed that she mocked the vice president. But the whole children and the whole nation of Israel did really kind of mock Moses and God. And to me, one of the saddest things I've ever read in the Bible is in chapter 20 of Exodus, after the Lord has written on tablets of stone and given Moses the Ten Commandments, and the mountain is trembling. And they go to Moses and say, well, you, you just, it's too much. You go hear God for us. Oh, how do you think the father felt? One night when Jonathan was young, Jonathan and Melissa weren't yet married and she lived with us for one year and asked Linda and I to disciple her before they got married. And they didn't kiss the whole two and a half years they knew each other. And people get really, the P word, at Jonathan for that because they didn't kiss. You mean God told you that you cannot kiss the lips of the one that you're going to marry until your wedding day? My goodness, what kind of God is that? And John said, Daddy, God didn't tell me that. I decided that. I said, you did? He said, yeah, I was, I was on the floor in YWAM and none eaten in England. And I, I was going to give God something and I didn't, I didn't know what to give him. And I said, God, I'm going to give you my first kiss. And I said, well, why did why, why, you want to do that? He said, Daddy, I've been watching you and Mommy. I know when you lock the door. I know when you come in on one of those trips like a, riding on a white stallion coming from war. And I know when mama breaks out the root beer and the George Jones. <laughs> come on, women. She said, I know that look in your eye. And I can't hardly wait to God can give me Someone as good as my mama. Little boys won't settle for anything less than the good stuff they see in their mother. And little girls should never settle for anything less than the good things they learn from their daddies. What an influence. What an influence. So I can't hardly wait and you and I, Daddy, are a lot alike. We, I know where both of us are introverts like crazy. And, um, but I also know that we have addictive personalities, don't we? Whatever we do, we go whole hog, don't we, Daddy? And I say, yeah. He said, so I know that when God brings this woman into my life that is going to be my wife, is going to be the gift of God to me, I'm afraid of what I might do. Because I'm like you, Daddy. I said, God, help you, boy. He said, I, I, I know. So I felt like that day on the floor, I said, Jesus, if I never kiss her, it won't go any further. Because I want to be a virgin when I get married so that I can have the best possible marriage that God can give. Daddy, I... 
sounds kind of corny, but I, 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 at 19 years of old, I'm learning that his way is the best way. Isn't it, Daddy? I said, Jonathan. So he didn't kiss her until they got married. He said, if I don't ever kiss her, it won't go any further. So she was living with us, and we watch. They'd hug. They'd hold hands. They'd embrace a little bit, but none of that. So you can trust somebody like that. <laughs> it's Christmas Eve, and I said, Jonathan, the kids, the grandkids can be here tomorrow. Why don't you and Melissa go on downstairs? I put the stereo down there. I got a good fire in the wood stove. It's warm down there. The Christmas tree's down there. Why don't you go down with her and just have a romantic Christmas Eve and give gifts to each other? Daddy, I like that. Go for it, boy. I can trust you. If you ain't going to kiss her, ain't gonna, nothing going to happen. It's cool. And they were down there for several hours, and I had to speak at a church next week or so. And I was upstairs preparing, and she comes upstairs. He comes upstairs. She went on down the hallway to go to bed. And he has this book. It's a children's book. He says, Daddy, read me a story. Melissa gave me this book. Would you read it to me, Daddy? And, and could I sit in your lap? I said, uh-uh. Uh-uh. You are six foot three, and you got the boniest butt I have ever seen in my life. And I don't want that butt cutting into my legs. Let me turn this way, and you sit between. Okay. He put his arm around me. You going somewhere, darling? Are you, are you starting to cough? You got... I'm a honey. When she walks out of me, I get scared. She's probably going to go get something. She gets nervous. Why would she get nervous with me? I didn't figure that out. And she gets her throat gets dry, and then she she starts coughing. Would you? When she comes back, they have these back there. They're incredible. And give her one of those. Would be nice. Tell her that's not from you, but from me, buddy. Okay. <laughs> so anyhow. I sit there and he's sitting in my lap and we're reading and it was so special. His arm around me, close to me, I could catch his breath, looking at the book together, slowly turning the pages, loving the artwork before we read the words. We come to the end and he gives me a great big kiss. I said, thank you, Daddy. For the best memories of my childhood was you reading us stories. But I really liked the ones you made up the best. He went to bed. In everything in life, God has a voice. There's nothing that can happen in your life that God is not behind, a part of, knows it, and he longs to speak. The reason we don't hear is we don't ask. If only you could learn that, and not learn it from me, but learn it for yourself. All I want to do is inspire you. Because inspiration 
is that I would encourage you with desire and passion and give you the freedom to go learn God on your own. You should never look to church to be your source of truth. Scott will fail you and so will everybody else. Even the dude that wears the hat backwards when he stands up. And I like him, Josh. People will eventually fail you because we are not God. And God is a jealous God. And he wants you to climb up in his lap and get so close that you can catch his breath and he can catch yours. And let him read you your life. Don't read the scriptures. Let the scriptures read you. Let it be that intimate that the God of the Bible reads you, reads himself into you. Yay, God. Hey, God, get it on your own. We can stop right there. Y'all ready to go? We can beat the Methodists to those eating places. <laughs> you know, them Methodists and Baptists, they're out by five minutes after 12 or something. They're going to fire the preacher and <laughs> get them a new one. God woke me up at 10 minutes after four this morning. And I thought I had finished everything. I did it yesterday. Put all my slides, everything together. Next slide. Next one. I wonder why I got him at 10 after 4 and I was going to my computer to get to the thing I do and I noticed this little blurb and that this man was condemned violently. That man is in that pickup truck because he's looking for his daughter. And he was riding around his pickup truck because everything got displaced down there in Florida last week. And he couldn't find her. And he was holding up the cell phone to people so that they might recognize her. But she was dead. And she was 18. And that man has received so much hate mail that that daughter deserved to die because he voted for Donald Trump. That's true. You can look it up. Now here's the part that gets me. Where everybody's looking for a solution to these murders in schools, the solution is simple. Let's get rid of the hatred and we'll get rid of the murder. I wasn't a fan of Barack Obama. I certainly didn't vote for him. And he did a lot of things that broke my heart, but I prayed almost every day for his eight years in office that he might come to know Jesus. And I've refused to allow myself to be overcome by hatred. That's the part of America that just breaks my heart. And we cannot have peace. And these kids can't have peace 
when there's so much violence and so much hatred. Do y'all believe that? We must outlove what's going on in this world. Come on, Lord. Hallelujah. That makes me happy. That gives me hope. We can overcome this thing somehow. Yay, God. And it won't be a political solution. It'll be a God solution. Jesus, we ask you, we ask you, Lord, to bless our nation and convict us for our lack of prayer. A nation goes the way of the church and we hadn't gone real well. We bicker, we gossip, we're not happy the way things are done and we run to another church. We church hopping all over the place and somebody does something different, the music's too loud. Everybody in here needs just to have headphones and do away with the PA and then get it the way they want it. God will never, we're not called to be men pleasers. We're called to be God pleasers. Yay, Lord. Well, that's my sermon.